Hello, Second Bananas listeners. This is Joe. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that when we recorded this episode on cover songs, we thought we'd get one episode out of it. Turns out we were really wrong because we're going to get three episodes out of it. That's right. We did nearly a four hour record. And even after all the editing is through, I'm going to get three distinct episodes. So if the beginning and ends of these episodes feel truncated, you know, you'll understand why. But we still think they're pretty fun episodes where we talk a lot about music, about musicians and about the nature of cover songs. So I'm not going to keep you waiting anymore. Please enjoy the first of three episodes about cover songs. Should have done, should have done a theme, but I, by the time I realized that, I was like, I don't want to take you. I think it was today. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I mean, I that's love Oyster Cult. Oh man, BOC. Um, yeah. Okay, why don't we get into it? Um, we should get into it. Welcome everybody to Second Bananas, the podcast about history's greatest Garfunkels, the clout behind the clout you didn't know about. Uh, my name is Joe. Hey, I'm Wes, and I'm Craig. And what we do here is we take a uh, person, place, or thing from history that stands in something's much larger shadow, and we talk about it. Uh, sometimes we joke about it. Sometimes we get real serious about it. And a lot of the time, we just go on a lot of tangents. It's mostly tangents. Yeah, mostly tangents. Love those tangents. Yeah. Well, I, ho- I hope our listeners do too. Uh, <laughs> so speaking of tangents, we've t- decided to do something a little different today. Normally, what we do is one of us uh, picks a subject, does some research, makes a little outline, and then runs us through it. And the two other people can kind of interject, uh, ask questions, like bring up things we think are relevant. But today, we all decided to do something a little simpler uh, and pick some cover songs. Uh, we each picked three of, um, I guess, our favorite cover songs. Would you guys say these are your favorite or how would you classify your picks? I'd say these are my most interesting cover song picks. Yeah, uh, cover songs that I like. Like these are cover songs that I like, and I I would say for the most part I like these more than the originals. But I would say they might not be my favorite covers of all time, but they're I think the most interesting uh, of the covers. Maybe nice. Yeah, it's not too far off from my methodology. Probably just a snapshot of the covers that stand out to me um but also they're all songs that i'm interested in both the original and in the cover yeah and i do i really love a cover especially it probably comes from just going to like live music and seeing live music all the time because usually the house band or whatever will will do their take on on a popular song or whatever and you're like oh this is really good and it's like it gets me like interested and a lot of times i'll hear a cover it's always funny when you you hear a cover and it's by a secondary artist that did it. And then you hear the original and it's like, wait a minute. It makes you feel like, I don't know, not cultured or whatever, uncouth when you like think. Uh, that they have to think, dumb it down yeah, for you to, yeah. to reach you. But it's like, <laughs> oh shit. And I think there's definitely one of those that's on the list today. When you, when you guys put a, a song on the list where I definitely thought the cover was the original. <laughs> that's going to yeah, be interesting. That's cool. We got a but few yeah, of those. And both of your music knowledge, I think, is greatly like kind of outranks me. So yeah. I, oh, Wes, it's not a contest. It's not a rank. Hardly. I mean, on it's, my part, it's it's somewhat. <laughs> I'm just yeah. a huge dork that likes weird punk music and stuff. Yeah, but I'm grateful for that because I actually get a lot of like I get fed a lot of cool music. I think through both of you, and so that's oh. 
That's good. That. That's, that's yeah. good. Yeah. So I guess I said this before we started recording, or maybe I said anyway. Uh, it covers that like I was I'm intimately familiar with and I listen to a lot, um, and that I could sort of like have a lot to say about as well. I think is a good way to put it. And I think like also just like shit that I've been listening to recently. Yeah. Did you guys have any other thoughts you wanted to uh, spread around before so many we thoughts. get into it? Okay. So I like to, I'd like to ruminate on the delicious second banana y nature of cover songs to begin with, like how some cover songs end up being more popular than the original. Like David Bowie, for example, it, this is the only example of this that I can think of. But um, all the young dudes, which I think David Bowie co-wrote, and then was originally performed by a different artist. And then, Dave, and then David Bowie eventually performed it and made it into a hit or made it into whatever he made it into. But do you know what I mean? But I, I didn't know that there was another version of it. And I didn't necessarily clue in that he wouldn't have written it to begin with, but that he wrote it not for himself. I mean, obviously the complexity, this is art and this is like expression. So it's not going to have any sort of like linear structure that I should expect, but it's just delicious. I think yeah. when that kind of thing happens. That reminds me a lot of the Dolly Parton writing. Uh, I will always love you. Yeah. The Whitney Houston like smash hit, which is like so much more popular than Dolly Parton's version, even though Dolly Parton's version is beautiful. But yeah, that type of thing is awesome. Um, or like, you know, Amy Winehouse, uh, Valerie or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that's a great song, but I didn't hear her. I didn't hear it until I heard her version of it. So interestingly, uh, another sort of second banana within um, that song was about Porter Wagoner. Wait a second. The song was about her actual body. <laughs> uh, Dolly Parton, not Whitney Houston. <laughs> no, I know. That's what I mean. Wouldn't that be delightful? <laughs> no. So Porter Wagner was like a, another country star. He was the one that kind of brought her onto his TV show. Um, and that was where she got famous. And then eventually she got bigger than him. Oh, yeah. He got big time second nannered. So, sorry, dude. Big, he's got big second nanner energy in like, that guy. Normally, yeah. when I when I bring a second banana up, one of you guys is like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But the fact that like neither of you guys were like, oh, yeah, Porter Wagner. You're just like, oh, uh, yeah. I was like, is that like... Is that like a supermarket chain yeah. in the 70s or something? It does or like a, a, a small like a bank that got like yeah. that got shut down in the 70s after financialization or something. The Dobbs, the Dobbs Fartley Act. Dobbs Fartley. Dobbs Fartley was passed and it wiped out the Porter Wagoner <laughs> first bank of yep. Omaha. Money's in Bell's house and it's in Frank's house. <laughs> now it's it's in Porter Wagoner's house. Who? You know, Dolly Parton's ex-husband. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Craig. I feel like I, I derailed us again, but did you have more ruminations? No, like no, no, no. Um, I just wanted to more? open it up for that t- tangent, and I feel like we we tied her back up. <laughs> yeah, a rich tapestry. <laughs> rich tapestry. Indeed. Yeah, I didn't mean to, you know, jump the shark or anything, no, no, but. please <laughs> jump the shark every day. That's that's the that's the that's the ethos of this podcast. We jump the shark first, and then we go from there. Yeah, yeah, we do not bury the lead. Uh, but yeah, let's get into the first song. Um, speaking of kind of sort of like the folds and and contours of an artist's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to start, my first pick, I love to go first, is 
a song called I Am a Rifle, uh, originally performed by a band called The Rebel Spell. So The Rebel Spell is a Vancouver punk band that I think got together in like 2002. Basically, they they were quite popular, like in Vancouver and kind of the local scene. And they eventually got the attention of Propagandi, um, who are probably the biggest Canadian punk band I can think other than DOA. And the the one that's kind of still active and doing stuff. Um, so they actually did release one of their albums on G G Seven Welcoming Committee, which is Propagandi's defunct record label, um, which was something that I got super into in high school. The Rebel Spell had a lead singer named Todd Sirius. I don't think that's his real name, but it's really super cool. If it is. He's, he's yeah. a <laughs> serious guy, um, but he <laughs> unfortunately died in 2015. Um, I'm not sure of the whole contours of their career. I didn't. I didn't have time to research it beforehand. And uh, but before they broke up, this is one of their earlier songs. Um, it's called "I Am a Rifle," and it is literally just about. Uh, it's like a gun talking, I guess, in a way. Yeah. So that's kind of my first pick. Do we want to listen to a little sample before we yes. talk about it? All right. Yes, please. So yeah, that was the Rebel Spells version of I Am a Rifle, their original song. I really appreciate the way they kind of talk about uh guns and gun violence in a in a sort of a frank manner. That's and um one of the best lines in the whole thing is the second verse is like, Don't look to me to get the future back, don't look to me to rework the past. I'm only here to bring things to a head. You can cover your ears, it doesn't change who I am. And I think like that's a really good way of looking at sort of like this this gun, which is like, again, a tool that only does violence. Like you can't say that it's, it has any sort of like effect other than horrific violence. Um, but that, that tool can still be used, um, in limited ways and, and to do good and to do things that are like helpful to, uh, you know, especially oppressed people and people who are downtrodden, but it can also be used to oppress people and to kill people and to do violence to, to cause further oppression. So I think that's, it's just a really good song on that note. It's not complicated. It's very simple. It's a punk song. Um, mm -hmm. and the, the riff is the, just the, the riff of the verse is really great. It's just this like chugga chugga riff. Yeah. Yeah. I love I it. like it. No, it's great. Um, yeah, this is an intense song. I, yeah, this, this is a song that makes me want to drive fast kind of, but <laughs> the lyrics just like, I am a rifle. Like, yeah, the, they're very charged. And so, yeah, I get mm -hmm. what you're saying. Like, yeah, a gun's just, it's like, yeah, it's, it is kind of the tool when you think about it. Like when you think about uh, like the evolution of man kind of from throwing sticks to just like spears and just like a gun in your hand is kind of like, it's just the ultimate like evolution of man. You have power when you have gun, you have power and you can bend people to your will, or you can, you know, be a benevolent leader or you can just be like a terror and uh, have it turned against you. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the, yeah. And that's that's the thing is like cuz when you use once you use violence you become open to have violence used against you, which is very uh salient because like once once you use power in this way against someone you 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 make it uh you legitimize just, it. You yeah, you legitimize it and escalate it. Right? Yeah. Which is terrifying. It's a ratchet. It only goes one way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's great like the definitive tool, the like quintessential tool. 
right in a way is the weapon and the most kind of like common form of it in our society is a gun or a rifle yeah uh, very powerful too. Like the last lyric is I'm not leaving and I, I am your fault. And I think it's like a really good point of like this, this is a Pandora's box and it's now open and you can't like whatever your actual personal feelings on using a gun are you, once it's here, it's you, it doesn't just go away. And it is like, it's all of our responsibility to, to end to to put a stop to unnecessary violence and to especially oppressive violence and violence in 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 sort of service to domination or destruction and stuff like that and sometimes uh especially in the system we live under the only answer to uh, a system of oppression and a system of 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 a systematic violence of say like you know not just you know like like bombing a country that we need we want their oil or you know like whoa whoa just... whoa what's this we bullshit <laughs> oh sorry Joe? sorry sorry N- nuance yeah um uh yeah i, I want their oil <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Thank I, you. I bombed iraq my it's no me. Really just let me. leave george bush jr alone it was me just talk <laughs> to me okay so we're clear um, really here now for me yeah but like i think like yeah it's like there are certain types of violence that are become a machine that it that perpetuates itself and sometimes the only answer to stop that machine is a is a, a, a not just not just the violence that will perpetuate that machine but an applied form of violence that will wreck that machine any any particular times and places violence. that you think this yeah should be? i think i think uh, again <laughs> iraq is there a target list or... i needed mm-hmm. that oil for my car <laughs> so i told the bush administration to do that and they did and hey, George W. You know what? Vroom, vroom, buddy. Yeah, vroom, vroom. That's what I said to him. And he was like, all right, then. I'm doing it. I was on the fence, but you convinced me, Joe. You're my best friend. I'm going to paint a picture of you. So I have I have things. Um, so the cry at the end of the verse before the chorus is a war cry or no? Because it sounds like a war cry, which is fucking badass and also maybe that's not it so maybe i'm it's an interesting like especially in punk you don't like especially on recorded songs you you do hear that kind of like um lyricless singing but even when they're kind of rough that one is really deliberately dissonant it's not like a full scream like there's a bit of musicality and tonation to it but it's very deliberately not like western music uh harmonizing for, for me and it could uh, be completely misplaced but it was definitely evocative of, of like a war cry i like, uh, yeah i agree like yeah very um, no and i've been to yeah, like native war cry yeah mm. i've been to some powwows and stuff and I, I like and again i don't know that any of the members of the band are indigenous or that was what they were intending well, i don't want to say i don't want to get into that because i don't know and i don't have like the sure and also i also don't want to miss name that Yes, type of cry yeah. as being a war cry because I don't know if I think there's just, I'm, I'm assuming there's other cries as well but probably just for somebody like me that's the most common like circumstance where you hear where you would be exposed to something like that is yeah uh no but I I think this is it's like perfect punk terrain in terms of like lyrical content and grappling with like exactly what you were describing Actually, what you were both describing, um, 
in terms of like the when when the weapon's used for this when the tool is used for this application or that application and what you know your responsibility is as a member of society that is perpetuating like systemic violence on parts of the population what are your responsibilities <laughs> and by with regards to guns is the solution to everyone give up weapons I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So that so that the gov the government maintains the um, I don't know on violence. I hear a citizen with a gun just took down an armed shooter uh, <laughs> in the fucking mall, <laughs> and then I got did. shot by the cops. Right? I think no, was, no, no. This was totally. a different one. Yeah. Okay. So I, yeah, I think like well, it. and this is like a larger conversation about like the the culture that's been created. <laughs> Uh, with this proliferation and like the individuals are incentivized to buy guns, no matter their political affiliation. Right. But who gets to use those guns is the, yeah. yeah. Well then who gets to use those guns and get away with it, I think is really the question again. Like there's been, like I said, like there's that guy who shot the a mass shooter with his gun and then the police showed up and shot him. And I'm a hundred percent sure those police will not see more than a slap on the wrist for shooting that guy. Uh, even though like technically he's a hero right like in that sense according to according to american gun culture oh yeah he's a yeah he's up that he's up with the with the kyle rittenhouses of the <laughs> of the u.s like and it's like the larger yeah. system is designed to protect uh white men's property uh, as evidenced in the kyle rittenhouse yeah situation. and kyle rittenhouse is like that the perfect was, example it was by the book well, that's just a textbook uh interstate uh, vigilante <laughs> right. slaughter if you ask me <laughs> i don't blame a person of color or a queer person uh or indigenous people on land that they're defending for buying guns um i i there's no reason for like there's no reason for them to give up those guns um absolutely no, not and like quite the contrary yeah it's sad it sucks that they'll still even be you know punished for it as much as is possible within the law well, that, that, behavior is, that behavior is criminalized, but the homestead or whatever farm owner in Saskatchewan is in, encouraged. Every individual, it makes perfect sense for them to act that way. It's in, that they act, it's in their own interest to own a firearm for sure. whatever reason, but it's if as that's an where individual, you are mentally, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And it's as an individual and the, the larger effect on the whole system is that chances of random gun violence happening for all kinds of reasons not just like mass shootings like someone accidentally discharging their gun someone using it to cause self-harm all that kind of shit just increases and the larger systemic effect is to make things worse and more violent and more unpredictable but again at the the individual level you can't escape that the choice to buy a gun is often a logical one rational yeah yeah a totally. rational one that's yeah yeah but it, it all leads to more um calamity yeah rather than less the, unless under certain conditions certain violence happens that maybe topples something i don't know i don't know what i'm talking about right. but then with that breed of culture <laughs> of more or less militancy well and what then, happens next right it's like you said like any violence that uh goes against the system invites more violence on itself of course um, not There's not to say waves. like it's not about yeah. deserving or whatever it's about what will happen it's about what will happen. reality yeah, exactly 
and it's like talking about this stuff is also fraught legally and uh and and morally and stuff so i i what i like about the song too is that it doesn't answer that it doesn't it doesn't ever say um not even like this is good or bad it doesn't ever sort of like it implies that you have to make all these choices and you it, and it it asks it asks the audience to engage with the subject and kind of like think about it and consider the point of view but also doesn't tell them what they need to do it, it's not like a call to action one way or the other it's like a it 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 makes you grapple with your own conceptions of rebellion of violence yeah and that's the call to action really is to like turn inward of like how do i actually feel about this like you know if i'm so against them why if i'm so for them why like what you know and i think to revisit and maybe grow uh develop your position on it to maybe look into it a bit more or not take for granted kind of how you got where you are with it that's that type of thing yeah and i I think even especially like like you said to to consider this not thinking of the gun as good or evil but this is a tool that can be used and and you know it's used by varying degrees to people with more and less power to do to achieve political political ends I was just going to say it's the great equalizer. Yeah. And it's like, should maybe you approach this not from like a very, like this is, this is a good or evil thing in itself, but like, should you approach this first as like, what does this gun mean in the hands of someone like me or someone like the people I grew up with versus like in the hands of the Viet Cong, for example, or, you know, indigenous people defending their land. Mm-hmm from people who want to strip mine it and, or like clear cut it and continue to ruin the planet that affects in a way that not only affects them and their rightful title, but in a way that it affects the whole planet and all of us too. Right. Whenever I'm thinking about guns and it gets too emotional, I just shoot the emotions, Joe. I find it helps. Shoot them down. Just blast them all down. Listeners life hack. Right. (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, Wes, did you have something? No, I'm just like, I mean, that's like the whole idea of the the whole idea, even that there's like a legal right to use violence or whatever, or trying to wrap your head around that, like seems like absurd. Like, well, and once violence, well, the problem is too, once violence is used, like you said, not only do you sanction it, you make it, you make it almost necessary for people, other people to respond with violence. Like you, once it's, once it's done, it breaks all other conventions. And that's the back to the double-edged sword nature of the tool, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we should listen to the propaganda version or the snippet or whatever, and then I have something to share to conclude your, not to like bite your picks or anything, Joe, but to conclude your first section, if you don't mind. Oh man, I fucking love propaganda. Fire. Yeah. I think like, yeah, again, we kind of talked about a bit of the song, the propaganda version already. So I don't want to go too into it. Um is there a female vocalist in there? No, not in that one. I well, maybe in the in the chorus. There might be. Um, But they did do the cry part. It's just polished and like much more polished and and sort of a but the whole track is much more produced like propaganda. Yeah, yeah. And I I I do both like that and dislike it. What I really like about it. 
Um, I I just appreciate that you can hear like it's not as muddy because it was obviously recorded in a better studio, just completely different equipment, completely different time period. Um, but also like yeah, they don't have that war cry, which kind of makes it interesting. Well, they yeah. have the vocalization, but it's so polished and it's very like tiered. Like you can yeah. tell where they're going uh, through yeah. the. And it's it's like an offspring or whatever. It's like it reminds you much more of like the offspring there and the way go. they do their like woes and stuff like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That, yeah and actually that that is kind of like almost the sense i got from from the original it was like yeah i kind of had like that offspring kind of yeah punk alternative whatever kind of sound to it but um i actually think i like the original maybe a bit more Hmm. yeah because it's a bit rough around the edges and maybe i think it was the vocal i think it was the vocal performances i think that maybe i I maybe just liked a bit more in the first one or in the original yeah because when was the original recorded do you know like I want to say like again, were? 2003, 2004, oh, okay. maybe 2005. Like it was definitely early 2000s because I right. remember listening to it when I was very like just out of high school and talking about it with talking about Rebel Spell with my friends. Craig, you did have a thought. I don't know if we got it off. Well, but... I have a I have a thing, a quick thing. But before that, I have a thought just about propaganda and how you were saying that they were part of your like gateway into like the punk kind of pop punk or whatever it was yeah. when you were in high school, which was definitely the case for me as well. And the thing that I really appreciated about Propaganda, in addition to the fact that I listened to the fucking shit out of their first album until I was, I mean, I'm, I'm still not sick of it, but <laughs> when <laughs> punk, when punk got like all oversaturated and played out, they stopped doing that style of punk and became a metal band. And just like overproduce, and it's a little bit like it's not quite my thing, but I still love it, and I still love them. But I'm like, I just love how they did that. <laughs> how they were just like, okay, well, so that's what that is now. So fuck that, and we'll do what we like. <laughs> and I was like, that's like that's great. Big up, uh, big up, propaganda. Yeah, we love your propaganda. So I, a music uh, focused episode like this, and the subject matter of this song, and I could not not mention nas i give you i gave you power uh which is a track off of it was written which is a nas lp from the mid 90s i think or early 90s mm-hmm. um after illmatic from the perspective he write, he has a whole track from the perspective of a gun so he is like a gun personified and i'm gonna read out the chorus how you like me now i go blow It's that shit that moves crowds, making every ghetto foul. I might have took your first child, scarred your life, or crippled your style. I gave you power. I made you buck wild. Which is the delightful chorus. And it's just a really great track, and I always appreciated it. Since even maybe before I started listening to Propaganda, incidentally. Um, But I needed to mention, I needed to shout that out. Guns aren't going to go away. Uh, No, and and I think... they can't help but infuse into the culture. And right. Yeah. We might as well continue to personify them in song. Exactly. And That's the most important thing. As long as we do <laughs> yeah. that, everything will be fine. I, I think we should move on for sure. Yep. I will just quickly say, mm-hmm. um, yeah, RIP Todd Sirius, great lead singer, great write- songwriter. Um, uh, so the Rebel Spells Bandcamp and website is still up. You can buy this album on there. You can buy the Propagandi cover on their Bandcamp. Um, and the proceeds go to either the Wildlife Defense Fund or the Unistoten Defense Fund. 
uh, we'll make sure to link those in the description so you can check that all out. But yeah, now that we've ruminated on the nature of violence and I've talked a lot, so I'm going to pass it to Craig for his first pick. Yeah, so my uh, first pick, the original is by the famed Holland Oates. Uh, dynamic songwriting and singer songer song singing song singers duo. <laughs> the, they're one of the best singing song singer duos, in my opinion. Dude, they sing the song sing <laughs> the shit out of those songs. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and yeah, I mean, I generally like a lot of Fallen Notes. I think a lot of people generally do. But what appealed to me more about this. Um, was actually the cover and you know what like I enjoy I think the originals for most of the for all the songs that I picked but I probably enjoy the covers more which is why I picked them mm -hmm. nice same so yeah do we want to hear some hollow notes before we get into it everybody yeah let's play it all right You know, yeah, what's the song about again? <laughs> so that's girl. that's the thing that I like about the song is very much that it's obviously like kind of a class analysis of like if you're rich and everything's fed to you your entire life and you're never wanting for anything, then how boring is fucking life? And how hard do you need to try to have like a full visceral experience at the level of a normal mm -hmm. human when everything is just taken for granted? But that's my you know, pedestrian take on it. No, I, Craig, I, get I it. like you, I'm not rich. So I agree with you <laughs> <laughs> because if I was rich, I'd feel way different about this. Yeah. So. Obviously I think it's, yeah, it's a good one for sure. I think um, there is like a bit of a, the whole using the B word um, sort of <laughs> figures into the, like both resentment, but also like uncomfortable truth. Like, and again, like all great songs, it's kind of about someone's dumb little feelings and they can make it a bigger <laughs> thing than it is, but it is about like clearly someone, one of these guys dated. It, it is a really great song that um, wears everything about the situation on its sleeve, I think. And that's totally. what I like about it is it's, they don't try and hide like how they both like resent her and envy her. And also are like the more these guys get to know her, the more they're like, yeah, maybe that isn't so great. Yeah. It seems it seems great on the surface, and then there's like very little underneath the surface. Well, and even like again, like you can rely on the old man's money is like a great line that's sort of like about like you don't ever have to worry, you don't have any visceral experiences. But yeah, like I do kind of wish I could rely on the old man's money too at the same time. Like it is nice to know that like no matter how much you fuck up, there's gonna be something there to keep you to keep you on your feet, you know? Oh, totally. Sorry, I was just doing some doing some reading about it, and apparently Hall revealed that he it was actually written about oats. <laughs> no, it was it was, <laughs> it was actually written about a guy. It was written about uh, I guess somebody went to call a friend's boyfriend. So it's actually written about a guy. And his father was like really his father was really rich and has made his fortune through having a bunch of KFC locations. He, he was a KFC chain owner. So it wasn't misogyny. I mean, I mean, they took it. They took to it. Shade. In, they appropriated it for misogyny. But yeah, rich, 
rich boy is not as fun as saying rich girl. It's a, right. you're a rich girl. And it doesn't stick with the tradition of like men just whining about like women in like a lot of their songs. Yes, absolutely. It doesn't lean into the misogyny. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. That tip, that tips into a good demographic for sure. The, the men's gripes about women genre is an important genre. It's <laughs> a very important genre. So um, I think that the thing that kind of ties it up for me is the cover that I picked was Nina Simone's take on rich girl which was the first time that i actually got a better understanding of the lyrical content of the song to be honest with you because it had just always kind of been like the chorus to me and you get you get, you get lost in the fun energy of the hollow notes a lot yeah, too hollow notes like, like <laughs> i think the number one way i define hollow notes music is bouncy yeah right. just yeah, yeah. every song kind of bounces and Definitely. it's very like there's like a, a nice beat that you're just like this is a fun song, even yeah. when it's like what, even like like Hell I can't yeah. go for that too. Is like, <laughs> yeah, lyrical content also not not wonderful and not a great situation. But yeah. but what a bop product of their time. Just yeah, total bop. Yeah. So Nina Simone obviously makes it her own, and it's awesome, still a banger. But it pulled apart. It kind of like deconstructs the song for me. Which I which I really love because I grew up hearing the Hall and Oates version on the radio with the car with my mom or whatever or whenever it was. This is one of my mom's favorite mm-hmm. songs. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and never really like always just glossed over most of it besides the bop, and so that's why I appreciate that cover so much. Is not only is whatever the inverted misogyny like reverted <laughs> because <laughs> Nina can call whoever the fuck she wants a bit. <laughs> reverted. Oh, you said the B word. We're canceled now. <laughs> but um but I also get an idea of the class like um cl- conscious thread that kind of goes through the the lyrics. Which is delightful coming from Nina Simone, frankly, because that's that was part of her shtick. Should we hear a clip? Is that what yep. we should do? Yes, yep. please. So I think the I think the version that I that I was referring to was what way dialed down from that, but still still great. I think it literally was just her in like an auditorium with well, a piano. If you want to find that one, we can put that one in for sure. sure. But um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I think I'll like, try and find it. And that was my bad for obviously. The no, no, it's, it happens. Like I didn't even think I just grabbed like the first one, but yeah, yeah. no, no, it's fair. But even, okay. So even that version that we listened to ourselves and the, the listeners may or may not hear, you're right. It does. Even that version is still more stripped down production wise than the Hall and sure. version. And yeah, yeah. it's much more about, again, like, yeah, because it's Nina Simone. You want to hear her sing, and you want exactly. to hear what she's saying, and she does a great job of it. Are her lyrics, or is her version different lyrically in any way? Like, I don't mean like I know there's a couple words that are slightly different, maybe just for her cadence, but I and again, I feel like it's just like because they're so different and because they sort of focus on different things. Like, I do feel like Hollow Notes, the lyrics almost like other than like the chorus are kind of like well, you know. Whereas like this one, it feels like the lyrics become the thing that you're just so focused on hearing everything. Which is what I think probably stood out for me and maybe made the whole thing stand out. 
you know, the original and this version. Like the, you want to be strong, but you'll never be strong is kind of like very jarring. And you're like, wow, like that's a f- fucking burn. That is that's straight up like, oh man, that's like, but like literally you talking trash too, on the court. Yeah. You, you have too much. You do not have any <laughs> adversity. You will never be strong. Like, <laughs> so then over to you. Young Wesley. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now I will do uh, mine. My first pick, I went with a song that I just think is kind of the quintessential cover or what I kind of look for um, in a great cover. And that song is Blinded by the Light, the original by Bruce Springsteen. The cover is by Manfred Mann's Earth Band, which Manfred Mann, I think he was like a 70s like prog rock guy. I think he's, he's really just known for doing, I think covers of other people's songs, uh, kind of. They do have a lot of original singles, but they all seem to be from the sixties. And then I think they kind of reinvent when they became the Manfred man's earth band or whatever. That was when they kind of reinvented themselves. But I do feel like, okay, so this song for me, I did not know Manfred man's was the cover. That was the only one I had ever heard. Right. Yeah. And so that's, that's, that's me too. And I definitely thought that, that, the Manfred Man was the original, and I I just thought that was the only version there was. I didn't even know there was a Bruce Springsteen version. So did you and like listen to this for this podcast, or like what was no? The... I hadn't I had known this before. Like I told you, I do like a, a music league. No, you didn't. You need to tell us about Wes. Reveal to the podcast listeners the secrets of your music league. No, I think we've talked about it on the cast before, but we should. Well, fuck me then <laughs> for forgetting. Wes was like, hey guys, I formed a music league. It's on it's on the podcast. It, it was probably maybe it wasn't, it, it might have not have made it into the actual podcast. It was probably the preamble. No, no, don't defend me. It. Don't defend me. Either I'm, way, Joe, figure it out. Well, if we didn't record it, let's tell the audience for the music yeah. league. Well, music league's fun. It's just like you can it's it's like a it's whatever the sports leagues, like the the uh, fantasy leagues, but like with music so and what do you like based on like billboard numbers like what do you how do you know like, so it's just based on the people in your group so you'd make a you'd make a group of friends or like whatever co-workers i'd say like the sweet spot is like six or five to seven i'd say is a good number but like the idea is like everyone that's in the group chooses three songs based on a category that you choose you can like you can make your season however long you want it to be normally it's like whatever 10 weeks so each week everybody submits three songs for the category a playlist is compiled on Spotify and then everyone listens to the playlist and votes on the songs they like the best or whatever. Think, think they fit the category the best, I guess would be the way to put it, but you can't vote on your own, obviously. So that's kind of where, where it comes in. But uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. You get exposed to like lots of cool music, but uh, we did a covers one in one of our recent seasons. And so I spent a lot of time uh, looking at covers and trying to figure out what my favorite covers were. And this was among them. But before doing that season, I did not know that Bruce Springsteen did the original. I thought that this was just the only version of this song. Yeah, this is the first time I heard it. The Bruce Springsteen version. Yeah, but yeah. So let's just like maybe just listen to the Bruce Springsteen version. Yeah. Let's get springy. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And so that's the original. And uh, I think Springsteen, it was 
it was one of his earlier songs, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And so it was written about his kind of life as a early musician, kind of in the characters he would meet at different venues. Oh, I thought it was about him as a horny fucking teenager. Well, I think that the vibrance and the energy of like youth, I think, is kind of what he tries to um, encapsulate with the lyrics and the song. And it's a fun song and it's like a good song. But the cover, it's like textbook punch up. They really, they stepped it up. It even just like buries the I word in the song, like in a way that you don't hear it, right? Wait, I word? What's, sorry, you're going to have to inform me. <laughs> I word. The, the other, the other word for indigenous people that starts with I. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. It's like the first lyric. I never noticed it in the Manfred Mann version. It might not even be there. I don't know. Because I know they changed the lyrics and we should get into that. I know they did. They did change some of the lyrics. One of the only ones that I'm aware of, at least, is in the chorus. Instead of "cut loose like a deuce," Manfred Mann says "revved up like a deuce" or "held up." I thought it was "held up like a deuce," or maybe it's both. No, I'm pretty sure it's "revved up" because they it refers to a car. I think, at least, I'm pretty dual, the Manfred Mann. Yeah, like it's like a hot rod or whatever, uh, a Ford. Do you want to just listen to it and we can get a comparison? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Let's fire out that one. But yeah, it's it's definitely a more upbeat. Uh, it's got, I think they added like a bunch of instruments. They, it's actually like way extended too, which is the interesting thing it's a lot longer than the original i think springsteen's version is about five minutes and then the man from man version i think is like over seven minutes they added a bunch of like they get all psychedelic with it and stuff it's dope they really get fun with it they start on the chorus instead of the verse like and i think that's part of it is like the i word is literally in the second line of the first verse and like again they start they they play the chorus first but it's because you're already totally distracted by that beautiful chorus. And even I just don't think Bruce Springsteen kind of talks things like it's very mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, he rambles through it. And then the chopsticks interlude in the middle of the, the chopsticks uh, interlude. Is great. It's just like, how are we going to get across this bridge? We'll just, uh, you know, <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> well, obviously, if your keyboard uh, player is the star of the band, you're going to have to do chopsticks at some point. Guys. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair. No, this is a great pick. This reminds me of um, being in a vehicle in Alberta. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, it, it is a good, it's a good cartoon, I think. Very memorable for me too, because it was used in like one of the main like cocaine montages in the movie Blow. So yeah, it really, it just uh makes you want to do like a cocaine fueled uh night on the town when when i pop this one on maybe it makes you want to do that wes all right the rest of us are straight edge here no i'm pretty sure everyone (laughs) um pretty sure you two are the guys that want to do that and not me all right craig you caught me i do want to do some (laughs) cocaine but uh listeners if you have cocaine i'm i'm down (laughs) or or if you know where to get cocaine dm me on twitter toad (laughs) underscore rat dm me you have to share. Only if we share it while <laughs> listening to Manfred Mann's Earth Bands Blinded by the Light. That's the only way I will share this cocaine. Yeah, no, I think like this is probably the most dad song out of all these, except maybe Astronomy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Craig made a face. What was that all about? No, I just finished coughing. Sorry. Oh, okay. so I thought recoil. you were maybe against the classification of certain music as dad music. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, as a dad, I think Wes is entitled to pick dad music. I, I make the argument that I probably have the most dad taste. I mean, uh, it's, I do. I do lean heavily to a lot of '70s music, uh, which is pretty dad. But yeah, this song in particular is is definitely has some dad vibes but is this something you jam out to regularly Wes? i uh, this was definitely in my heavy rotation i would say in university i remember when we first started hanging out we were talking a lot about huey lewis in the news and there's something about them that i i sort of associate and uh, yeah we talked a lot about the power of love which is also a great fucking song i i love me some huey lewis as well so um yeah i can i can see that also big dad vibes from huey lewis but I personally can I can take or leave the news. Right? <laughs> not not adding much for me. Sorry. You guys That's don't fair. matter. You're the backup <laughs> band. Get out. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I got to say about this one. I I love that they all the instrument stuff they add, and yeah, for me, like I mentioned, like this is like a really good cover. Like it keeps the spirit of the original, like kind of the, like the rhythm of like Springsteen's like original one, but it's, it adds so much of like Manfred and the earth band, like so jazz prog rock, like style to it that like, they really like make it their own and kind of infuse it, it doesn't with their even own like, style. Like now listening to the Bruce Springsteen version, I'm like, this is, this is wrong. Like this doesn't, this is although like then the more I think about the lyrics, the more I'm like, no, this makes, this makes sense as a Bruce Springsteen song. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's just like even the way he sings it, it again, it's his first album too. So that might be part of it. I think it's cool source material given what Bruce Springsteen did with the rest of his career and like the kind of icon or whatever that he became. Taking like that snapshot of this track for Manfred Mand and the Earth Band to then like make it into their like kind of psych rock ballad thing that they did. And uh, still infusing it with like that, like like you like you mentioned, Joe. Like the chorus is just fantastic. They infuse it with like youthfulness and like the like I want to say like novelty that's that the lyrical content requires or demands. Like that's that's the part that comes through. Maybe even despite Bruce Springsteen in his version, is like the stuff he's singing about is kind of like a rambling like. Uh, train of thought or like stream of consciousness kind of thing of like a young musician uh, bouncing up against all these weird characters and holy crap there's just so much you got to keep on rambling about it for like chorus after chorus and it's just finally like song we're singing a song you're not just rambling on Um, but they've put it into this like tighter format i want to say but at the same time they just like go off on like a couple minutes solo and literally like, <laughs> add two minutes to the song but somehow it feels tighter and the, like yeah. the whole chopsticks thing like the chopsticks thing in the middle of it still keeps that youthful like vibe going from my perspective a bit yeah, the that, playfulness exactly thank you thank you um so i really like it as like a um the two together as like you know kind of a piece to look at is, is, or listen to sorry it was really cool I do think this is the only one on this list where that we've done this time that absolutely the the cover is bigger than the original. I think everything else, like the cover is sort of like not as big as the original or it's yeah. close. And it's like, I think it's a more of a favorite now, but like, this is the only one where it's like, yeah, people don't even know that this is a Bruce Springsteen song. Exactly. So, no, no, yeah. That's cool. That's one of my favorite things about covers. I like it when they do that. 
You hear that? You guys cover more songs better than the original for Craig. Yeah, and me. I want to hear him. And yeah, and and me. All of us. For all of us at Second Bananas. Please. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Hey listeners, Joe again. Hope you liked that episode on cover songs. I'm trying not to sound like the fucking end of a YouTube video, but if you have cover songs you like, why not tell us about them? Email is secondbananaspod at gmail.com or you can DM us on Twitter or Instagram. We're at the number two bananas pod on both platforms. Yeah, that really did sound like a fucking YouTube end video. So you know what? I'm going to let it you go, but thank you again. And hopefully we'll see you for episode two of Cover Songs coming next month. <laughs>